0: Welcome listeners, I am your host, Jonathan Yamasaki for Go Entrepreneur Yourself, a podcast where you bring your local entrepreneurs and leaders from around the country to share their story about adversity triumph and their business. Today we bring you Cesar Aguilar, a friend of mine from Northern Arizona University and also a, 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 a confidant, someone that is really involved in the community here in Phoenix, Arizona. He's currently the governing board uh, gov- on the governing school board for bald school district he is the executive director of arizona student association which we are going to be talking about in the interview today he's done like uh he's been a field organizer for elizabeth guzman for virginia house of delegate he's been a field organizer for the arizona democratic party he's done a lot of work here in the community to help really push uh lot of democratic agendas forward and and helping to consult other campaign managers to help them in their in their campaign so um caesar aguilar thank you for coming on the podcast today (laughs)
1: yeah thanks for having
0: me (laughs) so we'd like to get this episode started with the fast five so these are questions um that you can answer to the best of your ability as short as you can if you don't know the answer it's okay we can just answer to the what comes to mind first. So the first question is, who is your favorite politician,
1: my favorite politician? I would have to say that I would have to go more local, I would, or I would say what Arizona at Pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Pastor was the um, one of the first Latino congressmen of Arizona first Latino congressman, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and, you know, kind of just paved the way for, for everybody else here in the state of Arizona, and his family has been involved in politics. And so, yeah, when you when you talk to a lot of Latinos uh, in the state of Arizona, they definitely give the respects to, to El Pastor congressman awesome congressman.
0: thank yeah. you thank you rest in peace at pastor mm. so what is the first thing you're gonna do
1: when this pandemic is over oh man i think the first thing will be like it's weird because i'm like already back at work but i felt like we're still not fully back at work <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think like be like actually back at work <laughs> I don't know it's, I don't know if that yeah. makes sense But I feel like For most people Working at home Makes sense Yeah I mean
0: It makes sense to me Because you don't get To experience office talk You have all Everybody there yep, yep. And you get to have Those good conversations Yeah How's the weather
1: Yeah well How's And the- it's it's like uh, I feel like uh, What's that saying That you feed off Of people's uh, Energies uh, Yeah Well not en- well, Energies But also Like Yeah uh, most of communication is body language, right? Yeah. So, like, I feel like online, you're not really getting that body language. That's true. Yeah. And so I feel like that's where I'm, like, missing, where I'm not getting my actual work because I'm not, like, getting that from people.
0: Right. That's true. And then tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on.
1: Oh, man. This is going to be a weird one. <laughs> uh, so this, I was recently convinced by my cousin who's a high schooler about this and uh it was that it's kind of dumb that the united states uses toilet paper and he okay. was telling me that <laughs> we should be using the days and i was like what no like we don't do that and he was like well it's eco-friendly And it makes sense. Like, why would you want to wipe your butt with paper? Like, when you can just clean it off with water? (laughs) And I was just like, makes sense, man. And I felt like it was hard for... Well, it wasn't hard, but it got him some time to convince me. And I was like, well, uh, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, yeah. why are we using toilet paper?
0: Yeah, there's other countries. Especially
1: that... after the pandemic. I was just like, everyone uses <laughs> day <of> the day. <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet you the sales on like days went really high because of this <laughs> pandemic. So there's no toilet paper. Uh, what do you clean first? Your
1: car or your workspace? Ooh, My car. My car okay yeah my my desk is a mess i kind of just stack everything up on my car like and i have to have my car cleaned. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's good and then what is the funniest thing that happened to you recently funniest thing that happened to you recently oh or it could be something that happened to your family or somebody that you know that
1: you witnessed so there was one time when I was in college and I was I had I had gotten a banana and I had also gotten like had my phone uh-huh. in my hand in the same hand and so there was this guy that worked at the cafeteria and he just kept looking at me and I was like, What is he looking at me all you know, weird? Mm-hmm. And he thought that I was talking through the through a banana like <laughs> while I was holding my hand. I'm like that was like the funniest thing.
0: I can't think of anything recently. no that's that's so using a banana as a cell phone yeah that's, well, that's what he thought
1: but I had like both in one hand
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you for sharing that so that was the fast five with Cesar Aguilar so we're gonna get started talking about the the organization Arizona Student Association so walk me through um, how you got involved with the Arizona Student Association and and also how ASA came about
1: yeah so um, I first got involved in the Arizona Students Association my freshman year of college and I you know I, I was friends with uh, Jonathan there this time so he could probably connect but um, one of the biggest things that I saw was that after my first semester uh, after I, we had finished our first semester going into our second semester a lot of my friends that I was in star with our summer program that uh, to help first generation, students go through college, um, ended up dropping out and it was just crazy to me because it was like, we had just gotten in. Right. And when I would text them and I would be like, Hey man, like what happened? Like, I haven't seen you in a while. They were like, yeah, like I just can't afford college. Um, and you know, I thought with financial aid and like me paying and working so much, I thought I'd be able to afford it. And I just, I, I can't afford it. And so I was just like, it, it just, Those things just made me mad, too, because within the process myself, like I come from like a middle income family as well. But I was also struggling financially to go to college. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was having those difficult calls with my family and being like, hey, like, you know, the cost of college is like impacting us. And so it was it was a little crazy. And I also wanted to uh, uh, be a history uh, secondary education teacher. That's what I was like studying originally. Um, and my biggest thing is like, I want to make an impact on young people's lives. I wanted to teach them history. Um, and I knew going into this field that, you know, I'm not gonna make a lot of money doing this because it's just how it is, right? Um, and so when, I, when you start to like think of all this stuff uh, it, may, it made me upset because I think uh, education is the biggest um, equalizer for most people, right? It's the merits of, uh, it builds you your merits. Like mm-hmm. you can be whoever you want to be. And if you work hard, you study what you, what the field that you want to study in and you're the expert at it, you, you, you can make it out. You can, you can make good money and you can do what you dream of doing. And it made me mad because the one thing that I realized was that education had become the biggest barrier for being an equalizer for, for young people, Mm. uh, because the cost of college was just not affordable Uh and it wasn't accessible to everyone. Yeah. And so I ran into this organization, the Arizona students association, uh, and they were registering students to vote on, on campus. And I was like, Hey, like, I want to do this. Like, I think this is a way to start, to start creating change. And from there, I became an intern, uh, then I became an organizer, then I became like a uh, regional director, and then a uh, legislative director, and then I eventually became the executive director. My, uh, the biggest reason why I got involved in it was just because like, my biggest belief is that I think college should be free, like period. Mm-hmm. I think education should be free. We should not be having to pay for knowledge. And, and that's how I got involved in in this organization has been around for over 40 years. It basically started with three college students at NAU, ASU, and U of A. They were the presidents of all three universities and uh, they got together and and they said, let's make an organization uh, that's like a student union at a statewide level. Um, and let's advocate for student issues. Uh, some of those issues, this was in 1974, they were advocating for uh, the right to vote at 18 years old. The 26th Amendment, uh, which gave students the right to vote at, uh, at uh, 18 years old, had still not been uh, ratified. Yeah. And so uh, these leaders got together and they said, we're going to fight for this to be a United States fundamental right. We're getting our peers, our, our friends, our family are getting shipped off to fight in this uh, war that we have no say in. This is during the '70s, uh, '60s, and and we need we need that right to vote so that we can stop these wars. Right, that was pretty much the de- the debate about how if we're
0: sending a- us out to fight, in, I think it was the Vietnam War. Yeah. Then why aren't we able to use our voice as power to make decisions?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, and it goes with everything else. Like people use that argument to this day, like. How is it that you can send me off to war at eighteen, but I still can't drink a beer? Mm -hmm, Yeah, Yeah. like how is it that you now smoke? Yeah, you can smoke. Smoke at twenty one. (laughs) Yeah, and so like uh, it's a big argument people use today for, and I think it becomes like a cultural thing, right? Where like this is something that I like I hear all the time too, where people, I I truly believe that the voting age should be lowered. I think as soon as you start paying taxes. You should have a right to like vote and and that was one thing that i mean there's a lot of people that disagree with that and i'm like i think it's a cultural thing like if i if i'm able to put my kid to work or my kid is working at a young age or just an individual is working at a young age they deserve to have a voice in where their money's going their taxpayer Mm -hmm. money's going and so yeah the, the the argument is pretty popular
0: Describe the day-to-day process working at ASA as an executive director. What is it that you do? What is it that are, are your goals, especially during this election cycle? Because we have the current presidential election for Donald Trump and uh, Joe Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden. So, what is it your
1: your mission and your job? Yeah, so um, I'll give you a little like uh, more background about ASA. So we were created to advocate for student issues. Uh, college affordability and college accessibility. Uh, throughout the years, what we advocate has changed based on you know the needs of students. And we used to be funded directly through students. We were literally a student union. And so students used to pay at NAU, ACU, U of A, um, what was it, two dollars off of their tuition used to come to us. So our budget used to look over like uh, half a million dollars a semester wow yeah we were a pretty big organization like we had over a hundred interns like we were doing a lot of stuff we were pretty powerful in this state mm-hmm. um, and it got to a point where state legislators started noticing it got to a point where administrators started noticing and they were like how is it that these students have are overpowering us and so the first thing that they started to do was attack our power And the way they they went about that was that they uh, cut our way of collecting our fees and that was through student tuition. So the state of Arizona passed a law where student tuition could not go to a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. And so that's where they cut our our funding. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now today, a large portion of our funding comes from grants. Mm -hmm. So... I am like a full time grant writer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I've I've kind of learned how uh, grant funders uh, think, what they what they uh, want to hear, and then also uh, giving them the outcome of what students are able to do right, and a lot of it is just educating students on the political process, uh, educating them on okay let's get you know your other peers to register to vote okay, why is it important to vote? Because you then have control over, uh, you have a voice in Mm -hmm. your political system. You could then advocate for things that are, you know, more pro-student. And I think for the most part, like uh, a lot of our grant funders, they have have a special uh, passion uh, for education, Mm -hmm. uh, for students being vocal about what they believe in. And I think they see themselves a lot of times Mm -hmm. and like our students, and there are people that just take their students in our organization, that just take off with it. And like grant funders thought that. they're like, yeah, like that see that one individual like they're gonna be someone. They're the next, you know, AOC, they're the next Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that's kind of what they see. Uh, <laughs> so that's my day to day is just like literally grant funding, reporting, looking over operations. Uh, making sure that, you know, we're following the proposal that, that I put in. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the grants that we've been getting this year is just get out the vote or registering students to vote uh, and then now getting out the vote. And then this year, for the first time in over 40 years, we've endorsed candidates. So we're actually helping legislative candidates get elected. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you are registered as a 501c4? Yeah. So, yeah, for a tax code... Um. So there's 501c3s. C3s cannot get politically involved. They're, they're, they're just to educate for the most part. 501c4s are, they're considered like activists, uh, nonprofits. You can be vocal about issues, but they have to be like issue-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for us, like our issue base is affordable and accessible higher education. Mm. This year, we've included uh, climate justice in that. We've included social justice in that. And so we've been diving into that, too.
0: This episode is sponsored by our host, the Arizona Student Association, a nonpartisan student-led 501c4 nonprofit organization existing to represent the interests of all community college and public university students in the state of Arizona. For over 40 years, ASA has been the voice of Arizona students by focusing on grassroots organizing, registering students to vote, lobbying for affordable higher education, and training and developing student leaders. For more information on Arizona Student Association, please follow them on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, their handle is azstudents. On Facebook, just you could search them up by typing in Arizona Students' Association, or check out their website at azstudents.org. Thank you. So then I want to get into um, how you get this funding because similar to a nonprofit, it must be really hard to really get shareholders or investors, people to like, you know, move an agenda that that, this purpose of this organization. So how do you, where do you find this funding and how does one, uh, you know, how does one approach somebody for thousands of dollars
1: in order to to help it's i mean uh from my experience it's a lot of networking when i first took over asa we were like on the last foot of this organization like it got to a point where you know i wasn't getting paid but i was still doing this work because i I believed in this organization Mm. i believe in the mission of this organization um and it had become my side job but it's just it's just an entrepreneurship like mine thinking where you're just hustling, man. You're just like meeting people, networking, 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 mm-hmm. networking, um, but also producing outcome when you're telling uh, when I'm telling, you know, uh, grant funders, this is what I would like to do. And this is what we're currently doing. And they it's the weirdest thing because they want you to do all this stuff without having money. Um, (laughs) and then they'll give you money once you already have like this whole program going without money. So it's, it's the same thing like a business, right? Like, uh, a bank isn't going to loan you money because they already want to see that you're like making money. Right. Though like it takes money to make money. Right. Right. That's how a nonprofit works. It's like, they want to, they want to see you like put hundreds of free labor into this organization, but and I think a lot of it is just like your it's passion driven right. money where like you invest so much of your passion where you know what you can pr- produce for how much and you just keep doing it. <laughs> so that for me, that's how it was. Uh, I was going to a bunch of conferences. Yeah, just networking. And it was interesting. I would take like uh, I got some crazy advices, right? And then you, you found and then you learn from them. Where do you go to network? Like, what, con- what kind, of, kind of conferences? It was a lot of, like, youth uh, organization, co- national conferences that I would go to. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, alumni from this organization. Like, this organization has existed for over 40 years. And our alumni network is, they're really connected. Uh, they're connected in Washington, D.C. Some of them are senators, congressmen. Some of them are uh, they are elected officials, attorneys. Like, they're all out there. Mm. And so a lot of these individuals who went through this organization, you know, they would hook me up with other people and connect me with other people. And it was, it was through that. But it was interesting, man. Like, uh, like I, I, I remember, uh, like, you know, when you're young, I'm like going out there and uh, people would be like, okay, so like uh, I would meet these individuals and they're like, yeah, we love what you're doing. We love the work you're doing. Like, how can I help you? And then I would be like, Well, I need some funding, you know, like I'm kind of looking for some funding. Mm -hmm. And then I would kind of like chuckle and like laugh, you know. And then there was there was one thing that this uh, this uh, individual told me and she was like, she's like, you did everything right. Like you presented your organization, Mm -hmm. right? You told me all the work you were doing. She's like, but that ask, that final ask, Uh she's like, don't laugh she's like don't ever laugh when you're asking for money she's like you do it seriously and she and she gave me this advice too she's like even if you don't have it going act like you have it already running and like you have it set up and uh, and you'll get funded right and and that individual she gave me she did she gave me money and it was uh yeah she gave me money and we ended up uh doing some good work with it And, and I've gone to like other conferences too, where like it's grant funding conferences. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was one conference where this one individual, this is like a huge donor. Well, to me, it's a huge donor. It's like $50,000 or like more. That's a lot for a nonprofit. Yeah. And this is what he tells me. He's like, uh, well, he started off by telling us, what is your ideal grant donor? Like Who would you want to donate to your organization? And I was like, a young individual who has student debt, who also has a lot of money and like understands student debt, right? Mm -hmm. And because they would invest in like what I'm trying to like advocate for because if they have student debt or had student debt, they get it. (laughs) And it kind of gets you thinking like, okay, there are people who like, they want to be like grant funders. It's like a game to them. Uh They want to be known for this right um uh, it, yeah it was rich people <laughs> and then there's uh and then he gave me this uh other advice and he's all like also he's all like you know you can get these uh he's like think of yourself like as a cheetah right and you're looking for food he's like you can feed off those mice he's like and those mice are like five thousand dollars or last grant he's all like but those mice are only going to fool you up for a little bit right you got to keep mm. getting them keep getting them He's like, as a nonprofit, that's how it is. You're gonna keep getting these five thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and those reporting and take a lot of your time. Like executing the plan, all this stuff is gonna take a lot of time. Where it comes down to, like, it's just a straight hustle all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, "But you want that gazelle." He's like, "You want that gazelle, or you, you know, you could, you could fool yourself for a good month." And he's like, "Think about like like that in terms of grant funding." Mm. And it was like, it was good advice. It was like yeah and can you ever leverage from getting grants from
0: like wealthy individuals or other big organizations can you ever leverage that to other grants proposals oh yeah yeah
1: yeah once you have once you've been given money to do from one individual uh another individual is more likely
0: to donate to you so then i want to get into like the marketing piece of it because obviously you get a lot of grants to help pay for labor, but maybe you also have volunteers. So how do you, first, how do you market out to those people that are maybe volunteering or joining your organization? And then how do you uh, market out to, like how do you build relationships with schools? Because I know you're focused at U of A, ASU, and NAU. Yeah. So let's start with first, how, how do you market out to those that are interested with
1: ASA? Yeah, so um, so when I when I had taken over ASA, our chapters at our three universities were basically like dead, and so I had to pull an organization from scratch and kind of rebuild it. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I started at the college that I had the most connections with, mm-hmm. uh, which was NAU. So I built a chapter there, got five individuals, created a club on campus and then from there i kind of like let them start recruiting for themselves or or for the organization okay nice and then i went to asu did the same thing started a club started recruiting people from there and then i went to u of a and it was crazy like we didn't we didn't have much money but i would take my car and i would drive down there and i would spend all day just flyering Mm -hmm. and then i would get someone text or email me and it starts like that. Nice. <laughs> like you're just grind. you just driving out there. Now the
0: people who are starting the organizations on campus, the clubs. Yeah. Are they paid or are they like doing this out of volunteer? So
1: when I first started, all these individuals, yeah, uh, none of us were paid. Like I was, I wasn't even getting paid. Mm-hmm. I was just spreading a message. Yeah. <laughs> and and people were buying what I was selling, and they were also affected by what I was advocating for, mm-hmm. and so. They felt like, you know, they also needed to do something about it. And uh, I'm a true believer that you should get paid for your work. And so I also think that experience is of value, right? And so there are some individuals who will come in and volunteer and they'll put a lot of hours into it. Mm-hmm. And it gives them the, the best thing they'll ever have, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, knowledge, it'll give them experience. Um, It'll give them skills that other people don't have Mm -hmm. whenever I can. (laughs) That's
0: good. So then how do you build these partnerships with organizations and schools to help you be on the campus to uh, get voter registration, to do things like that? Because I feel like you'd have to get licensing or something to get that authorized.
1: A lot of it is – so once you're a student club on campus – you're pretty much part of the university. And I mean, that's the biggest thing about universities is that this is supposed to be this zone where you are experiencing, you know, everything. And I think it's a selling point for universities too, where like, oh, we have those clubs, like if you want to get involved, right? And if those universities don't have those clubs, then I would suggest not going to them because like you're not going to get a lot out of that university, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so I think it's something it's something we have to offer to the university and the university also offers to us, right? So now that everything
0: has been shifting to a virtual space and then you get you know people to either work or volunteer to help you, how are you getting people that work with you to get others to volu- to register to vote yeah. in this virtual space? Because you know it's dangerous. there's a there's a public um, yeah. pandemic going around and, and people are afraid.
1: Yeah, the greatest thing that, this is why I feel like it's the hardest thing for me ever to leave this job, is that when you're around college students, they're the most innovative people, they think of things that nobody else thinks of, and it's mm-hmm. just the college culture, right? Like you always throwing out ideas, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about education, is like it's a never-ending moment, you're always learning.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so what we did is, as soon as this happened, we got our students together and we're like, what are we gonna do about this? Like, We have to register students to vote this year. Um, We have to change some of these outcomes of these elections Mm -hmm. to benefit students. Mm -hmm. Like, What are we gonna do about it? And we figured it out. Uh, And we were like, what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump on Zoom calls in classrooms and we're gonna uh, tell people to register to vote um, and then luckily the secretary of state had already created some, uh, link, uh, where our organization could send out this link and then students could register to vote online. Nice. And so we were just ju- getting our students to get into their own classrooms on zoom and say, Hey, here's a link register to vote. Um, and that's what we did. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, awesome. Yeah. And we did that at an U of A. And then from there, like professors are like, they're like, oh, you, you know, you're still doing something. And not only that, but in the state of Arizona, we were ahead of a lot of other nonprofits that do similar work that we do in terms of boat work. Uh-huh. We, yeah, nobody else was doing this. Uh, uh-huh. And so we were pretty advanced and. It was working, and we we still registered thousands of students in the state of Arizona. That's good. Yeah. So then,
0: how are other people conducting elections in the midst midst of this public health emergency, like getting people to register to vote and and how they're managing the polls? Do you know how, what other organizations are doing to help? When the big, they, I mean, so? yeah,
1: from I mean, we did we're doing it too, um, and uh, other organizations. I think they had to rely more on um, on. Uh, uh, social media advertisement mm-hmm. so a lot of them just did uh ads um also uh texting uh we, we uh texted individuals and and we're like hey if you uh if you moved recently make sure to update your voter registration form also send this link to your friends who are not registered to vote calling individuals uh people will call people and be like hey are you registered to vote uh here's this link make sure to vote or check out our website but yeah and it was a total it was a total shift there is i mean it's what i feel like it's with everything uh the pandemic has affected everything (laughs) Mm uh yeah yeah, it's been hard (laughs) and this brings a good
0: question what has been the most challenging thing as far as uh, getting people to vote and getting people involved especially getting people to like do work with you
1: yeah it's just uh at least in my in my field it's when we when we were on campus register like we would go on clipboard table uh classrooms um and it was just like those random college conversations that you have with random people um by like mm. sitting on a bus stop or, or just walking or seeing a t-shirt or something and it's that human interaction that makes a huge difference right like once you make that connection with another individual yeah it it, the individual will register to vote i feel like more based on the 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 emotion that they've had with the conversation that you had with them right because they they feel more empowered right and so i think that is the biggest challenge is that that emotional connection has Mm -hmm. has been disconnected right yeah i
0: I feel like because that's a challenge trying to convince people to vote through a classroom online virtually when they already some of them don't even want to pay attention in class yeah so what tactics has been successful in getting people registered to vote i don't know if you can share any numbers of how many people you all registered for vote to vote uh, i think i saw somewhere on your website it was like 300 in like a week you got 300 college students registered to vote
1: So, so this year, our goal was to register this year, I think it was like 18,000 students. We ended up getting closer to 9,000 students, mm-hmm. so we like were half of what we were supposed to get, and yeah, it's, it, it, that was crazy in itself, but what happened in Arizona was that they had extended the voter registration deadline. Originally, to from it, it went from October third, I think it was October fifth to October twenty third, and then it got challenged in court. And then what happened was that the Secretary of State was like, "You know what? We're just gonna, uh, we're not gonna extend it to October twenty third. We're gonna extend it to October fifteenth as a mm-hmm. deadline." And it was, I guess, it had to do because it was gonna be hard on the Secretary of State and the county recorders to be able to handle election stuff going on. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been a crazy year, and, like deadlines have been changing.
0: So what are some mistakes you wish you would have avoided when
1: you started working with ASA? I don't, I, I don't really, no, I wouldn't say I have any. I'm like, for the most part, I think I've always like challenged myself in everything I do. Where, like, I know internally I've never wanted to do it, but I forced myself to do it. Uh-huh. Like, when I first got involved, I I did not like talking or asking people if they were registered to vote. I was always, like, I thought that was kind of, like, invasive. And, like, the more and more I did it, it just became normal. And, I mean, I would do public uh, speeches, and I, I hate public speaking, but uh-huh. I would just force myself to do it. <laughs> so i'm like till it becomes normal (laughs) so i'm like i think i wouldn't say like i have any i just think i push myself to like buckle up you know yeah yeah Yeah,
0: that's good just kind of throw yourself throw yourself take that leap and really just practice because uh i mean there's nothing better than uh than failure or even because it's it's funny there's this funny thing of about stocks where like Oh, you've never lost money until you pull it out if your stock is doing bad. <laughs> Same way where like you've never failed until you stopped until you just like give up. So I think that's a that, that's kind of a good way to actually to look at it is like you've never really failed until you stopped giving up. And now you're continuing to do it. So that's yeah. just a testament to your success. So what do you attribute your success to? Like, do you have mentors? Um, do you have, I don't know, a story or something that you can attribute your success to with working with
1: ASA? Yeah, I, I mean, I've worked, I've worked with a lot of, a lot of great leaders in different fields from campaigning, uh, to vote work, to management, to entrepreneurs, and I've, I've kind of just taken what I've seen be successful, and, and just use it. Like one one is, well, my dad, too, is like, someone that I look at a lot, too like that guy will fail, like my dad's a straight business owner, um, mm-hmm. he'll fail and fail and fail, and I've seen him as a business owner go so far where I'm like, you know, this guy's not going to make it out, like this is going to be crazy, and he gets back up and he's still going, And and I think when you see that, you start realizing like as a human, like, you don't know what low is until you've been low and then like once you've gone low and i think once you're there you're like you know every time after that you're like it could be worse it could be worse and then if it does get worse then you'll be like well that was worse (laughs) so like let's not do that again
0: (laughs) There's and, no other way
1: than going up. Yeah, 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 and the, and and that that movie uh, Sing, that cartoon movie that's one of my favorite. Oh, yeah, because like, <laughs> yeah, that he he's like, there's uh, the best thing about being down is the only way up. The only way is to go up. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's and I'm like, a great movie. yeah, and that that guy like that character lost everything, right? But Are you was, talking about the gorilla,
0: uh, the, oh, the gorilla? koala, yeah, oh, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. starting as uh, the theater place. And, this, and, like,
1: that guy is the best, like, entrepreneur <laughs> ever. Like, he he had this idea, and he was going to do whatever it took for him to get there, right? Uh, even if he had to lie to these people that he had all this money, and he had right. none of this money, but he was still going. And I think in a nonprofit, it kind of goes like that, too. It's like, we're still going to keep this going. We're still going to keep this going, uh, even if we don't have any money.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Caesar, I know you, because you work during the election season more heavily, I want you to debunk any myths you have for us about voter registration, mail-in ballots, uh, working at the polls, things like that, that has been brought up by by the current administration, but also by a lot of things in the news. So,
1: tell us about different myths and things that are are true and not true. Yeah, so... The biggest thing when it comes to voter registration, and I hear this all the time, is that I don't want to do jury duty. And this is the craziest thing ever because jury duty is like literally a fundamental right that Americans fought for to be able to have due process. And I think it's crazy when people tell me, they're not going to register to vote because they don't want to do ju- jury duty, mm. and I'm like, imagine having a judge like without a jury, just handling all these cases and then sentencing all these people, and you not having citizens that are willing to partake in the system to like make it more equal for you, right? And that just blows my mind. So, like, I always tell people, like, oh, you like being American, right? Like, this is a fundamental, right? Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> that's like one thing that right off the back makes me mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another thing that's just been going on this year: Trump being the president, talking about uh, voting by mail being corrupt, ballots are not going to get on, you know, to to be coming on time. Absolutely false. Postal service workers are doing everything they can to make sure to get your ballot there on time. On primary day, uh, I was monitoring at one polling location and, uh, actually talked to a postal service guy and he was like, Hey, like, uh, what, what we're doing at the location that I'm working at is we're putting all these ballots aside and we're delivering them that day to the county recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of what Trump was saying is just like, not true. And then another thing that Trump decided to do is that he decided to give his base uh, postage stamps, send them out and said, hey, use these postage stamps for your ballot. Well, it ends up turning out that your ballots are already like prepaid for uh, and they're supposed to be uh, paid for for it to get there uh, pretty fast. As soon as you put those stamps on there, it actually slows down the process now. Uh-huh. uh yeah then what it then what it was that's interesting i don't
0: even remember hearing about that yeah that there, they, those they was actually a, yeah. did yeah postage stamps for mail-in ballots that already have that covered.
1: yeah yeah and it was it was just like it was it's sad because it's like this is your own base your own base you're giving false information to mm-hmm. and the, the saddest thing for me is that you're limiting yeah. democracy for your own people
0: yeah. so uh, we're coming the, we're coming to the closing of this podcast so I, I wanted to ask what piece of advice would you give college graduates uh, young inspiring leaders and entrepreneurs who maybe want to start their own organization like asa or create a movement or be in a position of power like how you are with the school district bald school district board
1: yeah so I come from like a a Latinx family, right, where if you're not getting paid, you're not doing something right. Right. And you got a college degree. So you're supposed to be making all this money because they don't have a college degree. And so it's the biggest, it's the biggest thing that used to make me upset because me as a first generation student, I want to make a huge difference in my community. Right. Mm. And that meant the cost of what I was going to get paid. right? I was going to not make a lot of money to help my own community mm-hmm. and I felt like well I would always hear from my friends like oh like the teacher you're not going to make much money yeah. like oh like nonprofit, you're not going to make much right. money <laughs> um, but I'm like uh, I, w- I would tell individuals to like ignore that voice if you if you like what you want to do do it 100% don't do it at half the pace because The only thing you're doing is you're shortening yourself of what you could you could what you like to do and what you could serve to the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You could be that individual that makes a huge difference by starting a nonprofit, by creating something no one else did. And it's going to be at the cost of your free labor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's just it. And so. That's what I was say. I would say ignore a lot of what your parents are going to tell you not to do. Mm-hmm. And if you if you love doing something, do it 100 um, percent.
0: Any books or resources that students should look into um, and definitely want you to bring up inf- resources about grants um, that maybe websites that you look at. But any stu- uh, any books or resources that sh- people should look into if they want to get into this field?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, if, you, if you're if you a college student, you can definitely check out our website at azstudents, uh, org, and you can get involved through there. Uh, uh, send us your email and sign up on our website. There are a bunch of nonprofits in Arizona. Um, just like, I mean, you can easily Google nonprofits, whatever issue you're looking at right. in Arizona, and you'll find one. And if you want to get involved politically, I mean, it depends what what kind of issue you're looking at. Does your in- issue uh involve city, uh like do you care about you know trash issues? Um, look at the city of Phoenix if you care about water rights. Look at the Arizona uh, Water Board. If you look at if you like education, mm-hmm. uh, go to your legislature, and uh, Google you know who's my legislator. Google them, mm-hmm. find their email, phone number, call them and say, hey, I want to get involved. I want to do something. Right. And they'll connect you easily. <laughs>
0: yeah. They're always looking for volunteers. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that is a great way to get involved uh, in local elections. Uh, and then the, I think uh, the, the last one I think you, you forgot to mention was how about grants? Like what do you, what could people do to if they already have an organization maybe when they're looking for grants? What, what
1: resources do you have? Google. <laughs> you can Google everything. Uh, but one for sure is the Arizona Community Foundation, huge organization in wow. Arizona that gives a lot of money. Yes. Yeah, they're like the, whoever has money to give out in Arizona, usually they'll go to that organization, that organization posts it on their website, and they have like people who constantly are applying. And a lot of it is just networking. Get involved in an organization that you see is doing the work that you're doing. And ask them like, "Hey, I want to be you. I want to mentor. I want to be your mentee. Show me your ways, <laughs> master." <laughs> and then uh, they'll be like, "Yes, young Master Kenobi. Walk. <laughs> I'll show you, <laughs> um, Master Kenobi." <laughs> and yeah, in uh, uh, nonprofit world, we're always looking for that uh, that young <laughs> <laughs> apprentice.
0: Yeah. So then anything else I should have asked or any last things that you want to tell our audience members before we close off?
1: Yeah. uh, Make sure to vote November 3rd. Also, uh, there are early voting locations. If you need, you can look at our website, azsunes.org, and we have some of that information on there. If you have your mail-in ballot, make sure to turn that in. 18 uh, to and 30 year olds okay. are like not turning in their ballots right now where we need them to so we need them to step that up uh, <laughs> uh, and go out and vote early. Yes. Uh, we don't want to have long lines on election day. yeah that is, that is
0: very true. So remember everybody go out there and vote vote vote. Uh, it's a great opportunity for you to uh, to really get in part of this election process. Thank you again Caesar for being on this podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Um, And then thank you listeners for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.